7.04 and call to order the Franklin School Committee meeting. Meetings are recorded by Franklin TV, which shown on Comcast Channel 9 and Verizon 29, as well as recorded by Franklin Matters. All right, and so as we begin, I'd like to introduce our uh, pledged student. So the Oak Street School is proud to introduce fifth grader Nathaniel Edson to recite the Pledge of Allegiance this evening. Nathaniel is the son of his mother, Faith, and younger brother to Cooper, who is a seventh grader at Horace Mann Middle School. Nathaniel was chosen by his teachers to represent Oak Street School due to how many times Nathaniel can be caught just being a great kid. He's hardworking, polite, respectful to teachers and friends, and a great role model in our school community. Nathaniel is a member of Oak Street Student Council as well as a kindergarten helper during his recess time. Nathaniel's favorite part of Oak Street is all the books we have as well as the opportunities he has in special league classes to do everything from play dodgeball to learn to play a ukulele. Math is his favorite subject because he understands math and he likes to learn even when it's challenging because then he can get better at it. His interests are playing street hockey and baseball. When he grows up, Nathaniel would like to either be a professional baseball player or a real estate agent. Nathaniel, thank you very much. I welcome you to the mic. We could all stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. <coughs> Thank you very much. And now, as is customary, we'll pause for a moment of silence. Thank you very much. All right, um, and uh, you want to take off, beat the storm? <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Good job. Thank you. All right, now, uh, review of the agenda. Everybody look okay. Uh, everything looks okay. All right, uh, payment of bills look to be in order. Payroll, Mr. McNeil. Payroll's in order. All right. Let's see, I have some here. We have uh, FHS students. Looking right now, Mr. Callahan. I see Ella. Oh, well, right. promote to panelists. Thank you. And. I think that's it. Hi, Ella. She's connecting. Hi, Ella. back to our uh, a couple years ago I'm in the same seat <laughs> okay um, what we can do maybe do we, we can flip, flip them the we'll keep my eye on and see if sure changes all right so um, everyone's all right we'll just jump to superintendent report okay great welcome everyone January 9th here we are so thanks to everyone for being so adaptable I know uh, my first 
announcement is just on the weather advisory. I sent an email out to the community. It should have gone out at 702 or so. Uh, so people might be reading that now, but basically wanted to inform folks that you know we expect inclement weather uh, starting now through uh, overnight. There's a wind advisory and a flood watch that are in effect from this evening into tomorrow um, afternoon, early afternoon is what we are being told. So although we expect school to open on time tomorrow, we just want to be pre as prepared as possible around bus delays or potential flooding or down trees or power outages. I typically wouldn't over communicate on this type of uh, thing, but we've already experienced some power outages this year, and I thought it was better to, to share some information ahead of time with families so that they can understand. Uh, so we expect that there could be some delays tomorrow, um, but we anticipate opening on time. And if there's any change to our regular schedule, we'll be sure to communicate that uh, with all uh, that need to know as soon as we have the information and can, can share it. So if folks are looking for more information about our our, our inclement weather process or how decisions are made. If you go to the Franklin Public Schools website and about us, you'll see a section that says inclement weather. You can read, um, there's plenty um, of information in there about that and we just ask that everyone stays safe tonight and tomorrow. The second update is around our uh, comprehensive facilities assessment. We're currently working, the, com the comprehensive facilities assessment subcommittee has met this year to chart our course to assessing the district's facilities and doing master planning. You may recall during the 22-23 school year, the district conducted a re redistricting analysis to evaluate the distribution of students, look to optimize our facilities, and how to best util utilize them um, to support our educational programming for the foreseeable future. There was a redistricting analysis report shared, and uh, the, the school committee at that time took a vote, six to one, to propose that the attendance boundaries remain the same. However, uh, this year, that a comprehensive school facilities assessment was conducted, so that's what we're following up on at this point. Uh, this analysis is intended to be, it's intended to have a short-term and long-term guide for us to develop our educational model and make sure that we have the facilities to support educating all students in Franklin Public Schools. I'll just add th uh, one more piece to that. It's a th kind of a three-legged stool or a three-process piece. The first piece is around demographic information. You may recall Jerry McKibben came in in 2020 and did um, some forecasting of our enrollment. So the first piece is how many kids do we have now? How many kids do we expect over the next decade? The second piece of that is around educational adequacy and vision. What do we vision for our students? What do we envision for our district? And then how, do we, uh, how are we set up educationally to support that vision for our students in Franklin Public Schools? And then the third piece is more that nuts and bolts assessment. We're looking at the age, the use of our facilities, of our schools, the cost to maintain, the cost to repair, or, um, or do any other, uh, any other option in there. So when those three things come together, you look at how many kids you have, what you expect, the age of your facilities, and what, uh, what the projection is, and then how are we educating all kids, and what's the model that we choose to do that. All those three things come together to create a master plan. More information will be coming in the form of a presentation with more information, but I just wanted to bring people along to let, uh, let the community know that that work has begun and we are following through where we left off in the spring in working to, to move that work forward. The last thing I wanted to mention in my report is uh, Lifelong Learning is offering an executive functioning workshop uh, with Dr. Murphy, and this is really to look at understanding executive function to help parents and teachers better understand children's behavior. This is an adult-only workshop. You can sign up online through the Lifelong Learning Portal. It'll take place on Wednesday, February 7th at 7 p.m. Uh, it's, it's, it's intended to be 90 minutes. 
and it's adults only, and it will be at the FHS Auditorium. Oftentimes, um, I'm in conversations with folks around this particular topic um, related to kids uh, at all ages in development. I know our admin, our assistant principals and principals and, and teachers are, are all involved in those discussions as well. Folks who are looking for tips and um, to, to learn more, uh, I would encourage you to sign up and attend. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, open the floor if there's any questions, comments. We'll start down this way. Um, I just want to thank you for that facilities update because I'm not on the subcommittee and um, parents were asking me what the difference was between that and the redistricting. So just to know how comprehensive it's going to be because obviously, um, you know, everybody knows that I'm overly concerned with the budget and um, we want to bring a number to the town council and we want to be thorough and we want to have a big vision and that's what you've been called to do. So um, that, that's good information and I'll, I'll help get that out to the community, so thanks. I can continue to communicate as well and provide information uh, in writing so people can see. Thank you. Yep. So uh, with regard to the weather um, and communicating that, you know, I really appreciate the proactive nature there. Mm -hmm. Um, one thing that does or did come up to me um, for, through a couple of different individuals was that when the power is out, sometimes the internet is out as well. Uh, so being able to communicate that through text as well. Mm -hmm. So just in case someone doesn't have access to the internet for any period of time, uh, especially overnight, uh, that they also are able to get that communication through on their cell phones. That's, that's a, a, a good point and a good suggestion. We do have the capability to send text. And typically we've refrained from doing it uh, for this, was, this would be a perfect example of when you use text so that people don't get desensitized. This is timely information you need. I can see that being a good use of how we use this, particularly when there's power outages, don't call it internet. So thank you for the uh, suggestion. We're gonna make a change in that area. Just uh, click this checkbox that I didn't check during the last power outage, but um, I'm more cognizant of it now, so thank you. Thank you. And. Um, one thing I just wanted to ask, um, in terms of the funding for the, the newly arrival mm -hmm. uh, students, I know like December 1, uh, there was talk of like that's when like the, like the filing would begin. Have, uh, what are the, what's the process on that? What have we right. done? What have we received? Right. And I can have Dr. Dutch chime in. We did file, um, met the deadline. It's all based on uh, per student. Basically, if you remember, they created a formula across the state and uh, we did I'm going to put him in as a panelist. And uh, we filed that paperwork uh, at the time. As of the last time I spoke with Dr. Dutch, which was today, I asked him about it earlier this week. We had not heard um, and we had not received it, but I will let him chime in at this point. And I'll stop that video so we can. And Ella, you're up next. Just let us answer this question, okay? All right. Bob, did you hear the question? Hold on. We can't hear you, Bob. And maybe Ella, was that the problem when you tried speaking? Did you? Hmm. Be able to hear me. Okay, now I can hear you. All right, uh, Bob, can you answer the question and then we'll go to Ella for the student report. Are you able to hear me? Yes. yes. Okay. Um, could you repeat the question for me, please? Yes, I just wanted to uh, follow up on the, uh, the state's payments for the newly arrival students. Yes, the, um, so we, we were required to submit 
data um, by December 1st that gave them information on the number of students um, that we had at that point in time. And they were then going to process that and we would receive a partial payment uh, for, for those students. Um, we've not received the payment yet, but we are anticipating getting that. So at this point, we've made all of our obligations and requirements, and just we're waiting back from the state. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. All right. Appreciate that. Thank you very much. All right. And then, uh, so now, lunch will flip back uh, to our FHS student representatives. Hi. Sorry for the delay. Um, so for your whole school news, Panther Pride Night is at the high school on February 12th, 2024. Eighth graders can learn more about different sports and activities at FHS from um, 6 to 8 p.m. Franklin Arts Academy Info Night is January 10th from 6 to 8, to, from 6 to 8 in the FHS library. Best Buddies is hosting a staff versus students fundraiser game on January 13th from 2.30 to 4.30 in the FHS gym. FHS has a jazz concert on January 29th at 7 p.m. in the FHS auditorium. Applications to join FA, to join Franklin Arts Academy are open through February 19th. Uh, congratulations to DECA Business Club members for having a successful competition at districts last Thursday and Friday. And congratulations to anyone who is moving forward to the state competition in March. Many clubs at FHS had a super successful closing to the year, including Student Government's Games Drive, Connect for Cancer's Blood Drive, Community Service Foods Drive, and Scopes Club Bottle Cans Drive. As for some news surrounding sports, boys hockey is currently playing at Foxborough right now at home, so best of luck to them. Um, the gymnastics team also has a meet, meet today at an 8 at Oliver Ames, so good luck to them. Last night, girls basketball team and boys basketball team both had impressive wins against Sharon. And girls hockey can beat KP on Saturday in a 4-3 win, and it was super awesome. For news for class of 2024, students can order graduation caps and gowns now. Senior banquet is on April 5th, and there's more information coming soon surrounding the all-night party. For classes of 2025, prom is May 3rd, 2024, and the theme for that is luxury. The class of 2025 also had a post-secondary planning meeting. In case you missed it, you can find it, the slideshow and the Zoom recording on the newest newsletter. And we are also organizing a popcorn fundraiser for Talbot Fundraiser Prom, and more information around that is coming soon. Awesome, thank you very much. Thank you. Appreciate all that. Um, any questions or comments from the committee? Thank you very much, um, and uh, hope you have a great night. Thanks, Ella. Thank you, too. All right, and so um, with that, we'll move over to guest presentations. Uh, starting, we've got Oak Street Elementary School highlights. Okay, we're just, uh, as we have done, we'll have every one of our schools come through with a highlight tonight. We're honored to be joined by the Oak Street team. Leaders from the building here. Uh, we have a principal, Brad Hendrickson, assistant principal, Donna Corporian. We're also joined by Kristen Ray and Marilyn Friedman, um, who round off that leadership team. We have Coach Street. I'll let them uh, present and kick off with their highlight. 
and Dr. Rogers is going to present the slide deck. So is she clicking or is she clicking? I think she's clicking. All right, that works. All right. All right, so hello, I'm Brad Henderson, principal of Street Elementary School. Uh, good to see you all. Just want to start off to say thank you. Uh, big thank you to Mr. Jagir um, and the whole uh, superintendent team at Central Office. Uh, we appreciate all the support that we've gotten this year um, and you know to continue to set us up to do the work that we do. Uh, big shout out to my Oak Street staff. I'll introduce the team here. I have Kristen Ray, who's our math specialist, Ms. Donna Kaporian, our assistant principal, and Mary Lynn Friedman, our team chair. Um, also, a big shout out to everybody else, our teachers that just do amazing work every day for our kids, um, and the Oak Street community in general, family, students. Um, we just say thank you for being you, um, and that's, that, that's what gets us motivated to do, do the work that we do. Um, so, our instructional focus is based on the, the district SIP, um, but we have four areas that we're focusing on this year that are like our big rocks, what we're trying to uh, accomplish and, um, you know, just expand our, our expertise in. There's student engagement, inclusion, building strong teams, and community. Um, and so we're just going to walk through each one um, and talk a little bit about it. And, Obviously, as always, we're open to questions as we go. No, no quiz this time. <laughs> uh, so I'll start with Kristen Ray. She'll start off um, and talk a little bit about student engagement as it pertains to math. Great. Thanks for having me tonight. Um, in order to engage our students, we spend a lot of time at the beginning of the year studying them. Um, we want to understand their attitudes uh, towards learning, their interests, and their values. Um, and then we can use those things to um, leverage the most of them. Um, in our lessons. In math, our coherent curriculum allows us to maintain um, a learning environment that capitalizes on student strengths in all grades. Every lesson in every grade begins with a warm-up that's low floor and high ceiling. It taps into students' interests and their values and it engages students from the onset. <clears throat> Throughout the rest of the lesson, students are provided with choice both in the strategies that they use and the math tools and materials. Um, this helps them to become more independent mathematicians. Uh, they have options and opportunities to collaborate with their peers. And all of the lessons are chunked into smaller um, sections so that teachers can provide ongoing feedback to students that encourages students to maintain sustained efforts through rigorous lessons. Um, so that's our, our core math lesson. We also engage students using um, our supplemental digital math program, which is STMath. Um, students are able to further develop math concepts and engage in spatial reasoning in a way that, <coughs> excuse me, is not reliant on language. So it's, it's really twofold. Our core curriculum is heavily reliant on language, and then we have our supplementary um, curriculum that relies on spatial reasoning and math concepts without the language. Awesome, thank you. Um, next, uh, Mary Lynn Friedman's gonna talk a little bit about uh, inclusion and, and what that looks like at our school. Yeah, and really there's a lot that's similar to things that are happening across the district with inclusion, where we talk about um, ways that we accommodate students, so just ways that we love the playing field, also ways that we're modifying for students, those are our bigger changes. 
at Oak Street this year, we've really been kind of harping a lot on meaningful inclusion. So not just having a student in a learning space, but how can we accommodate them? How can we modify what we're doing so that the, the curriculum that Ms. Ray talked about, or our new reading curriculum as an example, um, is accessible to them and something that's meaningful, even if their skills aren't quite at grade level yet. Um, that's been super important too with our newcomer population. I think Brad's gonna talk a little more too and having that reading curriculum has given us a, a true benchmark for grade level instruction in literacy. So when we have a student whose skills need bolstering, we have that right sitting there that we know we have to get them to access this. How are we gonna do that? How are we gonna make this accessible to them? Um, we have some really strong teams working towards that inclusion goal that helps our students feel, you know, that they have a spot in the classroom, a, a place at the table that suits their needs. We have models working at Oak Street um, in the upper grades that are really kind of a true co-teaching model, which is awesome to see where you would walk in and if you didn't know who the general education teacher was, you might mix her or him up for the special education teacher. That's what you want to see, that back and forth where all those students are kind of getting what they need when they need it from the person who can give it to them. Um, then down in our lower grades, you see a lot of kids in and out and because those classrooms are pretty busy places, there's lots of people and teachers in and out kind of making sure that those inclusion opportunities, again, are meaningful, reasonably calculated for the student to make progress towards their goals um, and just ensuring that really all of the time they're feeling like a part of that that classroom community um, via the instruction that we're giving them. Great, thank you. And a piece of that, just for uh, the meaningful inclusion, we have core curricula for math and uh, literacy now, uh, which is great. It takes time to get to understand all the components um, and feel uh, like you're more of an expert as a teacher in, in facilitating those. And so we're gonna continue to learn and continue to grow, but just having those high quality resources available for every kid, um, well for me, just every kid in the school, but for every kid in the district, uh, to know that they, they have grade level text, grade level uh, lessons that are there for everybody to access um, is, is something that we're really excited about. Um, and then I'm just gonna talk briefly about strong teams. Um, this is something, you know, we always are trying to build culture and, and um, evolve as we go, but we've been really focusing on how do we create strong teams with our teachers. We intentionally group um, our grade level teams, K through five, um, in a way that, that highlights their strengths, the things that they bring to the table, um, and we encourage them to continue to, to learn from each other. Um, you know, we believe that individual strengths uh, shine brighter when everybody feels like they're trusted and a part of a team. Um, and that's where we get really true value from, from all the people, all the staff that we have um, in our building. We've also been doing a lot of hiring. Um, I wouldn't, I, during, throughout this year, but we've also done some, uh, like as we come into the school year, the last few years we've had an opportunity to hire. Um, and we've been really lucky to have some strong candidates um, to bring people in, to bring new energy to the school. Um, and that's been an exciting piece as well. Um, I also, so we've had uh, some pretty significant changes. Um, if you wanna go to the next one, Dr. Rogers. Um, pretty significant changes in our school um, that's happened from day one to day 79, which was today, I think. Oh, around there, 80, somewhere in there. Um, <laughs> and so uh, we've had 
over 40 students join us uh, since the beginning of the year. Um, so we've had our enrollment surge. Um, our EL population has grown by 400%. Um, now we have 40 students. Um, and our Title I students that, that, that receive Title I services has also increased as well. Um, this is, these are things that are forcing us to think differently, um, to plan differently, and to have um, different supports for teachers to be able to meet all the students' needs. Um, it's something that I, I feel like has been a great um, part of our school. Our, the diversity in our school has just exploded, um, and it's great for all the kids. Um, and so I just want to, but that, that did require some changes. Like when, we, when we're in the summer, we're planning PD, like, you know, that, that's, it takes a month plus to do PD when you're doing your planning for the whole year. Um, and we're doing hiring, that takes all the summer as well. Uh, but we kind of had to throw out the playbook, <laughs> erase my board that has where, what we're going to be doing, um, and change uh, the, the way that we're helping teachers. Um, and help them to grow a little quicker than, than we were expecting to. Um, but so if you want to keep going on to the next slide. Um, so we adjusted our PD plan, our teacher support and our student support. Um, we, this is in, re, in uh, reaction to the students that are in front of us and the needs that our teachers have. Um, in the next slide you can see more specifically uh, what we talked about for the PD plan. Um, so we've changed our PD opportunities. I, I've been consulting with somebody outside that's going to be coming in and running our next two faculty meetings and another one in April from a similar school district that went from three EL students to 63 in two years. Um, and so they're, they're going to give us some ex, you know, stories of their experiences and, and share some of their practices. Um, Trauma-informed class, we were able to get Leslie College to offer a graduate level course at Oak Street uh, that'll start in March. Um, and that's for teachers to learn more about what are trauma-informed practices to best meet the needs of students. Um, and then EL support, um, I'm also, I'm consulting with another group and getting some administrative coaching for how I can help lead some of this change um, and better support all of our teachers. Um, so that's, that's a big piece like, that had to be changed, uh, but we're really excited to be able to, to pivot like that and, and provide for our teachers. Um, and then the next slide is teacher support. Um, you talked about getting some extra funding from the state, so with that we were able to add um, different supports for the specific needs of you know, our students' language and, and everything else that they have. Um, and, and again, we've been able to hire some really great people um, to come on board um, and work with our students. And so it's been, it's, it's been an exciting four months, um, but it's, we're, we're, we're putting together a really, a really cool team and uh, we're, the people are doing some really great stuff at Oak Street. Um, and so wanted to make sure we highlight that. Um, yep, and then the last one is just around student support. Um, that's, we're, we're throwing all this out there to hopefully get the students. I think that's our kind of, our theory of action is start with what our plan is get the teachers, support teachers, help them to grow. Because they've been, they've been very honest. They say, that, you know, hey, I, I want, I'm up for the challenge, I want it, but I need more help, I need more training. And so we're, we're supporting teachers there, and um, then forget the students, and that'll trickle down to them. Um, and then the last, our last priority is community, um, and Mr. Coring's gonna talk a little bit about that. Great, um, in addition to, and in conjunction with engagement, inclusion, and strong teams. 
Um, we continue to build community within our learning environment and also reaching externally um, in partnership with various support groups. Um, the groups listed on the slide here are a snapshot um, of the vast efforts and student-focused happenings at, at Oak Street. Um, on the left, um, oh, it wasn't there, um, but we did have a photo showing our school mascot, Nutty, um, who helps to echo our core values of our community by building a sense of school identity and belonging, um, essential um, in building community. Um, in the list here of our community partners, um, they offer community support um, so we can do the work that benefits all students and all members of the town. Um, in the list here, starting with school council, and in no particular order, but school council, um, we just met earlier this evening, um, and that team is committed to the development of enrichment and culturally responsive planning and programming, um, such as our upcoming proposed cultural fair and our current family heritage product, um, projects. Uh, we have our um, SRO, Safety Resource Officer, Officer Ayer. Officer Ayer is a cherished member of our community and available for students, whether it's a visit with Ben uh, to comfort a child experiencing social emotional challenges um, or greeting the students at the front door in the morning, offer them reassurance of a safe and happy day at Oak. Um, the Safe uh, Coalition has done so much for our students in the collection and distribution of um, much needed winter clothing and other essential needs. Um, we have the um, Franklin High School students who visit us and help um, leverage those experiences with our students, whether it's joining in on a class project, uh, reading with our youngest Oak Street scholars, or just being available um, to serve as role models. Um, and we also have the partnership with the food pantry. Um, the food pantry does provide weekend food totes for students and families that may be facing food insecurities, as well as um, in Oak Street, we are currently engaging students and families in a community food drive um, called Tons of Love to give back to the pantry. Um, so I just wanted to share that as part of our community, um, Oak is a special place um, and we are grateful for the ongoing support of the community, truly appreciated as it helps us to join together um, to meet the diverse needs of our students and their families. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks. Um, so we're we're open for questions. Thank you all very much. So I'll, I'll open it to uh, my committee here. I heard uh, super great things about you guys from some of the parents, and I appreciate all the efforts that you guys do. Thank you. Thank you. I have a lot to say. <clears throat> I don't have a ton of questions, but I can't let you guys leave here without just I, my kids went to Oak, so um, I can't say enough about the staff there. I mean. Anderson was great. They know every kid's name every day, you know, um, without skipping a beat. Um, I had I had an interview when I was running for school committee, and and they had asked me, you know, with these newcomers coming to town, um, you know, how do you plan to manage that? And I said, well, I just really need to get the resources to the to the schools to get them. No one knows better than these schools. How to, how to manage this and what to do. And uh, they said, you think? And I was like, it, it, not a doubt, you know? So um, I as well hear so much about the, the diversity going on and the initiatives going on. Um, and you guys just, you seem to have a little pep in your stuff. I, I think it's probably exciting to see the school be so diverse. So um, it's just so good to hear that. Um, and, uh, and it's good to hear, like, 
you know, I talk a lot about like the things that have been cut over the years with the budget. Um, so to hear you say that they're up for the challenge, they just need, you know, this learning or this resource and, and things like that. I, I think about like one of the things that was cut um, a year ago, two years ago, I'm not quite sure, was this initiative we had in the summer work where the, the teachers were sort of allowed to get a stipend and come in for a couple weeks. And, and I think the school committee just, we, we couldn't float it. So it was like, oh, it's, you know, we can't afford to pay during the, we have to put all our money into the school year. We can't do these summer things. And it might have just kind of gone, you know, it's not a music chorus director or anything. It didn't get everybody fired up. But it, to your point of like, they're up for the challenge, it used to give these educators the opportunity to come in and flex their like creativity muscle and like be able to create curriculum that was exciting and engaging and just, um, it's everything that the kids look for and everything we want in a school district. So um, I, uh, the, one, the one question I did have, um, because again, one of the things uh, that we used to have was foreign languages in the elementary school, um, albeit, you know, part-time, uh, not, not a full-blood unified kind of uh, curriculum, but how are you finding the, the newcomers that are really young? Because um, I'm sure there's like lots of stats. I'm talking to Laura Evans about like you know how it's so much better to start this when they're younger, and it's something that Franklin's missing out on right now, and, and not really being able to compete with other districts. I I, I like picking it up quick. I'm just kind of curious, like what what are you finding with these these kids that maybe didn't speak English at all, and you know they're well, here now. Especially the younger, you know, yeah. kindergarten, first grade. I mean, they're everyone in that classroom is building language, right? Yeah. And oh, so. Right. It's, it's, it's something where it's a little bit more fluid. I think it's more, the older the students get, I think it's more challenging. So um, our upper elementary and then middle school, high school, I think that, that can be a lot harder to make those connections. But our, our youngest, um, they're, they're, they're doing it. They're, yeah. they're, they're learning the language pretty quickly. Uh, shorter or lower on-ramp. Yeah. Um, and a good um, story to share um, is the familiar song, The Wheels on the Bus. Um, and when you enter a kindergarten classroom and they're all singing it in five, six, seven different languages, and they're just there, um, loving life as a kindergarten student. Um, but they are absorbing quickly. Um, they're in that place where they aim to please and everything's new and exciting, but it is for all of their friends. Um, and so the littles, um, our youngest Oak Street scholars, I think are, are taking to language the quickest. Awesome, mm -hmm. so great. I hope we can get you guys more, more of that. So, and just in side note, speaking of school council, we had our, our Oak School Council today, and we, we talked about <coughs> language instruction in elementary school. Yeah. And Laura Evans was there, we because she's oh. a parent in Oak Street, so we had her come in. Um, because it, like there are like when you walk around the halls, there's there's multiple languages being spoken. Um, it's it's great to hear, and so our students are being exposed to it, and it just gets us thinking that is a lost opportunity. Um, this, that is the age when kids are developing language. Um, that's when their brains are seeing those connections a little bit clearer and a little bit easier. And so that's what we're talking about, is how, how can we use this opportunity to try to think longer term about adding language in elementary school. Yeah. Um, so. Bring it. We're going to the town council with the number. <laughs> Bring it. So. Thank you. Oh, thank you all very much. Uh, no questions, I just wanted to yeah, say it's extremely apparent just the the value that you place on uh, creating and promoting a culture that's um, really student-focused and centered with, you know, just right off the bat, showing how you take the time to 
learn individual student needs, which translates into the, the instruction time you're doing, and then that also informs the professional development that you engage in. And um, then all the community engagement with you know, FHS and um, Safe Coalition and Franklin Food Pantry with reaching out and bringing that into the community that you are um, creating at, at Oak Street. So thank you. And I just want to also commend all of you as well as the as well as your staff for being flexible, adapting with um, all the newcomer students. Of course, that's a tremendous challenge. And um, yeah, and which none of you were expecting, but it's and you're providing vital service to all of them to really provide the best possible educational experience to them while they're here that we can, which is just so essential for them during their time here. And um, all that while also doing everything that you were expecting to do. So it's uh, certainly a monumentous task and really looks like you're doing a fantastic job. So I just want to commend you and all the staff. So thank you. Thank you. We're, we're here for the kids of Franklin. And, and that's what we that's what we do the work for. That's what the teachers come in for. Um, that that's the job. Thank you. Thank you. As always, a great presentation. So thank you for coming. Uh, appreciate the time, especially with the weather that's out there today. Um, just want to applaud the the nibbleness and the adaptability. I feel like you are modeling the right behaviors for your um, colleagues, the teachers, the students. And I think this is going to go um, provide dividends uh, just based off what you're doing. And I think kids seeing, they know it's a challenging situation. They're seeing how you're adapting, and they're, they're going to be able to use that translate in some degree um, down the road. Um, I think it's encouraged in terms of what you're doing to support teachers in terms of the identifying their needs and really trying to see what we can do to help them. Uh, what piqued my interest, though, is the trauma-informed class, the course. Can you speak a little more about that? So, um, you know, we've, we've talked a lot as a, um, as a staff over the last few years about what, what are best practices for students who have experienced trauma. And so it's, you know, trauma-informed best practices. Um, how do you have students who have had uh, more challenging experiences? And then how can we, as, as teachers, as educators, um, you know, set them up for success. And so we've, we've talked about it, we've read articles, we did things like that. Um, we have more of a need um, with just some of the students and the experiences that they've gone through and they've shared with us. And staff has said, hey, I, I, I don't know how to, if, if you know, a student tells me this, I don't know how to do this. And so um, we, I just reached out, I was calling around to different places to see who could come and lead PD. And Leslie University um, said, hey, we offer a course if you can get 25, educators will come to you and do it in person um, and they cut the cost from I think it was twelve hundred dollars down to five hundred dollars and the district reimburses for up to I don't know how much it is up to but it's basically every teacher that's going to uh, enroll can then um, get that five hundred back from the district so it'll be net zero cost to teachers uh, to get a graduate course at Oak Street. And so they've been great. They're working with us. I, I just submitted it today. So like I, they emailed me back and forth. I think we're going to get approved for the one course. Um, and so that, that's just really exciting. And we have 20, uh, 27 staff members. Like I was going to open it up to the rest of the district, and I still will, because they're talking about offering more classes in the summer next year. And so this could be a partnership, something that we, we go into. but. Um, Right now, we have 27 staff members at Oak. Um, everybody at this table included uh, will be participating, and so we're excited about that. 
No, that sounds really exciting, and I'm glad that you said that you wanted to extend it to the district. You know, um, I think this is something that could probably benefit any teacher. And yeah. I know while this is coming from um, stemming from the uh, newcomers, I mean, trauma is not limited to that. It's everything, and I mean, trauma is everywhere. And I think being able to help that will help our community um, greatly over time. So uh, great work, and appreciate that foresight. So thank you. Thank you. Like these are all things like we've been talking about and we do it and we do it to like a certain level and then I think the impetus like of, of what this year is has pushed us to really go deeper um, and so I, that that we're excited about that I just want to thank y'all uh, you know the passion the creativity and both the commitment to your students and the staff it really comes across um, and it means a lot so I just want to say thank you for that thank you here I am at the end of the line. I am echoing the sentiments of, of many, but um, you know, again, you guys very casually said pivot, but it was clearly a big pivot for the start of the year, and, and it really seems like the whole community has benefited um, exponentially for sure. Um, I also loved at the early part of your presentation hearing about the custom approach to, to education, you know, really making it feel like such a personalized experience for each student is, is amazing for, for all those kiddos in the community. So thank you. Thank you. Really, um, you know, just echo all my uh, colleagues. You know, thanks uh, so much. I know in, in my years uh, being on this committee, there's been a, a number of challenges uh, that, um, you know, from your school, from the district as well, and I feel like every single time that a challenge um, kind of appears, you just immediately just jump out with you know a very excited approach to just to, to tackle it, and uh, it's always it's always fantastic uh, to kind of hear from from the entire team. I appreciate that, but it's also I loved um, as my colleague uh, Mr. Charles had mentioned too that not only you know are you accepting of all of these new challenges, but also kind of providing that support for the rest of the staff beneath it. Uh, you know, it's always. Sure we've all worked for that that one boss who was like oh yeah my team could do it my team could do it my team could do it and then it just kind of follows on just the, the team to kind of pick up all the extra work so thanks so much for, for everything that you're, you're doing and the approach that you're doing it and one thing i just wanted to to ask if you kind of fresh my memory i thought when i was um doing the the site visit last there was those great like it was like a family interview right there was the, yep. the walls were lined yep. with uh yeah, with, with the students would go and they would interview yep. family members. I was curious with all the, the, the newcomers, all the new arrivals, are you going to continue that as well? Because uh, yep. I think that would just provide some incredible new perspective yep. uh, when you get so many individuals who, you know, either just a different, completely different background, individuals born outside the country. Is that something that is going to yep. continue? So we still do it for third, fourth, and fifth. We changed it a little bit for what it looks like developmentally for K1 and 2 based on what we learned from last year. But third, fourth, and fifth still write about their special person. Um, they interview somebody and they, they tell like their story and if the person's around they come in and they get to share with the class. But it, yeah, I, I agree, we haven't had too many, we haven't gotten to that part yet with some of our students, our newcomer students, but we will get there. Um, but just listening to their stories are, are pretty uh, amazing and humbling. Um, so that, I look forward to getting to that. Sure, uh, that's, that's wonderful. Thank you very much. I really appreciate all the work that everyone's doing out there. Thank you. Thank you. And it's, it's the teachers are doing it. That's I mean, we're here. This team is is in service to teachers who are in service to kids, and and, and our teachers are doing yeoman's work, um, and and they're doing great work. And so just make sure that that, that I also make sure I'm clear there. So thank you. Thank you very much.
Appreciate all your work. Enjoy school board appreciation month. Little <laughs> recognition from the elementary principals there. So, <laughs> thank, thank you for that too. Thank you. All right, and so um, now we'll move over to FHS program of studies. Yes. Thank you, thank you, uh, Mr. Hendrickson, your whole team. I just wanted to just say one last thing. It's around like when you have a strong foundation and strong relationships in a community. Uh, when challenges come your way, you adapt, and I think what we've seen is uh, just a demonstration of that from Oak Street, and uh, it's a tribute to not only your leadership team, but the, the staff and everyone who's diving in. I think it's uh, it's just representative of what we're about in Franklin, so you guys are uh, just really, we really appreciate the work that you're doing. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Okay, moving forward, we're going to shift gears from elementary to high school now, so we are joined by our principal, Mr. Josh Hanna, and our director of guidance, Mrs. Heather McVeigh, who uh, will jump on the screen now. And every year, we present the program of studies, uh, mostly to highlight kind of changes that are occurring, but also it's an education for all on what the process is for course selection at Franklin High School. So with, uh, without further ado, I will kick it over to Mr. Hanna to introduce the program of studies for your review. Thank you, Mr. Jagir. I am actually um, being told that my video has been stopped, so I don't know if there's a motion. Oh, we can fix that. We can fix that. Hold on one second. Okay. There you go. And there you go. Try that, Josh. Perfect. Here we go. All right. Good evening, uh, school committee and, and Mr. Jagir. Uh, Office administration, thank you for being flexible with our uh, ability to present from from home as uh, the weather uh, is, is becoming a little bit more dangerous and uh, just it's it, it's kind of funny. It's like I'd much rather be in chambers, but it's a little safer to be home because it's also bringing back a lot of uh, memories of presenting here uh, for a long time, as we here said uh, during our, our COVID time. So excited to uh, present to you our program of studies summary. As you've had a chance to look at the rather lengthy document, we wouldn't really go page to page, uh, as that would not be the most exciting tonight. But I think we can give you a summary of some of the work that's gone on uh, over the course of the last few months at, at Franklin High School to provide what we're really proud of, which is a fantastic uh, list of opportunities for our students to participate in uh, next school year. So I'm honored to be uh, here alongside our Director of Guidance, Ms. Heather McVeigh, um, as she and I are representing the team of people who uh, worked on editing and, and bringing our program of studies along. So, uh, Dr. Rogers, if you could uh, hit the next button on the slideshow. Uh, we, we begin our meetings, uh, faculty meetings and, and other gatherings, really kind of reconnecting with our core beliefs. And oftentimes, uh, there's a particular belief that's connected to the meeting, and I would say, for today, really being engaged in our education is the one that this is uh, most closely connected to as we're being thoughtful around what it is we're asking students to do, the offerings we have, and making sure that we can provide uh, great programs to our students um, and allow for them to chase their dreams and have success. So tonight's presentation will be summarizing how we get there and uh, just again, really just focus on engagement, which will come back around at the end of the uh, presentation. Next up on the slide, as, as another reminder, 
the uh, focus on uh, portrait of graduate skills, these ideas of being an empathetic and productive citizen, uh, reflective and innovator, problem solver, trying to be confident and self-aware. All these uh, adjectives and descriptors are, are what we use to put lenses on how we teach our courses, what we're offering, making sure that our decisions are in line with what we've said is a portrait of a graduate. Um, and, you know, same as, as the uh, image beneath, which is part of our DEI work, this constant reflection, learning, listening, growing. Uh, and I think uh, the Oak Street team talked quite a bit about you know, the work that they've done being reflective, listening, learning, changing. And that's really what education is. It's what it's always been, and I feel like today we're being all that much more responsive. Um, but that's the exciting work that, that we use to, to create environments where our young people can succeed. Uh, next up. So just to give you a bit of an idea of where we've been and how we got here, uh, we're in the, in the fall, we begin a process uh, through our principal's council, which is a team of directors, department heads, and administrators, both central office and high school base, that we have scheduled meeting once every seven days, but we also meet periodically uh, during the period uh, throughout the rest of that schedule, making sure we're reviewing what courses we're offering, what staff we have to offer these courses, making sure that they're in line with what it is that we want to continue to offer. So again, we take uh, Desi's uh, perspective of the idea of a portrait of a graduate, this diversity, equity, inclusion lens, a social-emotional support lens, and we try to assure that we have a variety of programs that are being offered to hit on all of these things. Uh, sometime in late October, early November, adjustments by our department heads and directors were proposed and we reviewed them as a Franklin High School and a Franklin Public Schools administration. And we've made some adjustments which we're gonna to highlight tonight uh, that we're presenting to you as a school committee. And then we'll talk a little bit, Heather McVeigh will talk a little bit about the process uh, that students will go through in terms of picking uh, the courses. If you can go to the next slide. So two major uh, adjustments that we made uh, in terms of a graduation requirement is uh, first, offering uh, a personal finance class as a graduation requirement. I have to say anecdotally for years, uh, and I mean more than years, decades, people have talked about the importance of personal finance, understanding interest rates, understanding student loans, understanding uh, just the, the baseline economics of being independent, which of course is a, a big part of our portrait of graduate belief is this idea of you know, applying knowledge to contribute to local, global, and environmental uh, solutions, your personal responsibility. How are we gonna have graduates that are personally responsible if they don't have a functioning understanding of personal finance? And so between anecdotal, our already our robust business department where a majority of our students take a personal finance course, a feedback from our advisory groups where students were interested in learning more about personal finance, but we really weren't uh, creating enough time and space for them to learn them in advisory, and uh, even working with our junior English students who uh, each year propose to me a number of areas where they would like the school to improve upon, and historically asking for a personal finance class to be a graduation requirement comes up. So this is student-driven, community-driven, uh, I would say regionally thought of as, as an important skill. And we have the room in our uh, credit, total credit area to offer this class. So we're excited about that. Uh, the second is really like a signature of coming out of COVID. Uh, when we started working on the program of studies back in 
2020. Um, community service had been a graduation requirement, but we were in such a tough spot with so few community service opportunities out there, we kind of took it off the table because it didn't seem fair to have it as a graduation requirement where so few students were able to take advantage of community service as we just weren't seeing those opportunities come about. But again, in terms of examining our portrait of a graduate, kind of realizing we're out of COVID, we're bringing back our community service requirement. Uh, it's a 20 hour commitment that includes an average of five hours per year. Um, and we're working with uh, our administration is taking on the responsibility of taking the evidence of the community service um, participation and making sure that our students are uh, meeting uh, our guidelines and requirements, but also really trying to like use it as a leverage point to say we're, we're about a town of Franklin. We're about giving back to our community and many of our clubs and teams already participate in these things. So the students for the most part are already doing them in many instances. We just want to call it out as an important part of being a member of our school. And so those are the two major changes that are impacting in terms of graduation requirements. And again, using that portrait of graduate lens to come to this conclusion. If you can go to the next slide. Uh, other smaller uh, but still uh, important adjustments include our math department now including computer science A as a math class historically that had not been considered uh, a class that we would accept as, as part of the four-year math limit, but we're able to include that as part of our pro uh, part of our program. That class deals a lot with coding. Um, and computer, obviously computer science. So having that as another option just widens the areas where students can earn math credit over the course of the four years. Uh, in addition to that, uh, the seal of biliteracy, which is being uh, promoted by our world language department, uh, has continued to grow in terms of what does that offer. And in many instances, uh, it, it can include college credit, uh, depending upon the uh, state for local college university, many, and they're continuing to sign on as ways for students who show that understanding in two languages are gonna be able to uh, be awarded, not just a recognition as to being um, proficient in two languages, but also uh, beginning to earn college credits uh, before even graduating high school, which is really exciting. Uh, finally, our team did a lot of work on kind of streamlining the offerings that we do have. Uh, and Mrs. McVeigh will talk a little bit about a worksheet we've created for students to see what our offers are. Historically, we had had uh, a handful of more courses on the program of studies, but we didn't really see any consistency with them running. So we'd have students that would pick them as an elective, and then we really would never have enough students in them to run. So we kind of took a few of those and put them uh, on the back burner, so to speak, so as to provide a really concise uh, but realistic program uh, for students to look forward to. Uh, next slide. Finally, calling out a highlight of our program of studies, which are our senior experience externship, uh, otherwise known as like senior project. But seniors uh, in their last quarter are able to take advantage of programs outside of the school. Uh, students in good standing are able to participate in a six-week unpaid externship, where, the, as examples, you can work as a vet tech, a teacher assistant, work at Fidelity, uh, investment bank, as a travel agent for the police department, hotel restaurant management, uh, uh, physical therapy, occupational therapy, and a wide array of other opportunities. Uh, and this is something that's growing. We, I think, again, another example similar to uh, community service, a uh, senior ex experience is gonna continue to grow as 
our society continues to open up more and more. And we're excited about the number of students who have already signed up and signups continue to be open over the course of the next month or two. Uh, next, next up. Uh, I think at this point, uh, Heather, if you're able, if we, can you jump in and talk a little bit about uh, our timeline? Sure. Thanks, Josh. Um, thank you, everyone, uh, for inviting me tonight. Um, I appreciate having just a small um, opportunity to talk about what I consider one of the more critical pieces um, in the work that we do as a guidance um, staff with our students. So I was asked to speak um, briefly about the timeline of events that will happen between now and March as it relates to the course selection process. Um, Josh had mentioned a few minutes ago that we're going to try something new this year during advisory periods where all students will receive a course selection sheet, if you will. Those are linked below. Um, this will be a nice visual for students to see every course that's available to them. Um, in the past, we found that simply encouraging them to read the program of studies has not often happened. So every student will receive this sheet, um, be able to identify courses in English and math and social studies, electives um, that they have available to them. And we're hoping that that will also spark some conversations with um, parents and guardians to help involve them in this process. Um, so that kids are making really good, informed decisions. So that will happen, I believe, next Tuesday, if I'm not mistaken, Josh, those will be issued um, during advisory. Um, advisors will talk through program of studies, and students will then have approximately week to 10 days to identify courses that might be of interest to them, and they will um, submit those then to their guidance counselors, so we have them as we work with them individually um, throughout the month of March on course selection. Uh, teachers are currently um, inputting course recommendations in Aspen. Um, we have asked them, and they've done a really nice job over the years of engaging students in conversations about courses that they may want to take, and really encouraging students to perhaps think, um, think about a higher level, if you will, if teachers feel that they're able to do that. And so those conversations are taking place over the next few weeks and ultimately, um, parents, guardians will be able to see those recommendations in Aspen at the end of January. And then that last week in January, we really kick our work, kick off our work in the guidance department. Um, you can see there the timeline of when we will be working with each student. We as guidance counselors really pride ourselves on the individual work that we do, so I, I want to make sure that we all, parents, students, understand that by filling out these sheets and identifying courses that they perhaps are interested in, that doesn't take away from the work that we're doing, it just helps guide our conversations with students. And so we'll start by working with the rising sophomores, and then in early February, um, rising juniors, and then we do end with rising seniors. We, we do that on purpose um, because seniors have the most flexibility in um, openings in their schedules, so we find that giving them more time to process and have conversations and think about courses um, has been helpful for everyone. Thank you. Thanks, Dr. Rogers. Um, we'll segue into the middle school course selection process and timeline. It really is meant to piggyback on um, what we're doing at the, the high school. Um, we are in the process of getting letters out to the middle school principals this week from Mr. Hanna, uh, welcoming students and families to the high school and outlining all of the exciting events that, that will come up as far as transitioning students to the high school. Uh, teachers, likewise, are doing recommendations in Aspen towards the middle end of January through early February. 
um, was it Ella? Ella was a student, I believe, at the beginning. Um, she did a really nice job talking about Panther Pride Night, but that's one of the most exciting nights of the whole year. It's a showcase of all of the wonderful things happening at Franklin High School, um, sports, extracurricular activities, clubs. We also have about an hour-long presentation with families about academic expectations. Uh, department heads, teachers talk about um, curriculum in, in areas so that, again, parents and students are able to make really good decisions about appropriate courses for their child. And then again, um, the last uh, target there is about a two-week period where students and families will select courses in Aspen, and uh, really clear, concise directions will be offered during that Panther Pride Night. Uh, next slide. Perfect, thank you. Um, so I just targeted some considerations for families to um, think about when they're choosing courses. Um, these are just some highlights that I have um, noticed over the, the past few years. And really it comes down to paying really close attention to teacher recommendations. Teachers do spend a lot of time and really talk to students about why they think they're recommending, why they're recommending courses that they are. And I would encourage students to ask the questions about those recommendations and, and parents to ask the questions if they don't agree. Um, I think we need to be careful about um, making decisions without having the information and overriding. Um, there's some um, thought from students, I hear it over and over again, that, well, I can just drop to the lower level if I need to. And I think the reality is there's not as much flexibility in our master schedule, and it's not as easy to change classes as, as families or students might think. So teacher recommendations are really an important piece and encourage um, parents and students to really um, think about those and talk to teachers if they have questions. Um, and then simply just ask yourself questions around, do uh, the choices that you're making um, align with your future goals, whether it be college, career, um, making sure that you're picking classes that will help you move forward in, in those goals. Um, do they align with the, the expectations of post-secondary institutions? So if you are college-bound, you know, really remembering to consider that third year of a language or a fourth year of a language, for example, um, if that's what some of those colleges might be requiring. Are your choices allowing you to explore different interests? I had a conversation just today with a rising senior about this is really her last opportunity to take a class for free and where she's not quite sure what she wants to explore in her future, um, to really think about the wide variety of options that we offer and delving into some of those courses that really might spark an interest in her. Um, I think that's really important. We, we're really a, a school that offers a tremendous amount of offer, offerings and a wide variety of interest areas. And so really paying attention to um, perhaps picking some classes that might be out of a comfort zone a little bit, but might also spark an interest in an area that perhaps you might not have thought of before. And most importantly, um, from my perspective anyway, is do your course choices allow you to maintain a balance? Um, I, I think that that's the most important thing and um, really finding a balance of passion and being able to keep up with all of the other things that teenagers do in the world. Um, I think that's probably one of the most um, primary things to, to think about within this process. Thank you, Heather. Yeah, and it, um, as, as we're kind of like tying this back into engagement um, and to kind of share and, and, and uh, go beyond what Heather was sharing in terms of balance, uh, that's where we'll see the highest level of engagement when you are 
chasing what's important to you, not what other, not what you think others think is important. Uh, we talk a lot at our school about how there's uh, no correlation between where you go as an undergrad and your overall uh, success uh, in life. Um, and we try to remind people that this is your time uh, to explore and get connected and get excited about things. And that should be a driving factor. You can see the picture of engagement below. That's what we've been focusing our entire uh, professional development around this year is making sure we have engaging courses, engaging units, engaging assessments, and engaging school. And that is what we have. If you get a chance to tour the halls of, of Franklin High School, you can see our program and studies alive. And um, we're excited to embark on allowing students to pick their next uh, path. So without further ado, I want to say thank you all uh, school committee members, central office administration, and offer an opportunity for questions uh, or comments on our presentation. All right, thank you so much, Principal Hannah. I'll um, open the floor to questions or comments. Yeah, um, I mean, first of all, I, I had the opportunity to tour the high school just the other day as part of the facilities assessment um, committee, and it was an awesome experience, um, you know, both to see the the students and the school, but also the variety um, of programs and, and classes that really are happening there. So that was great to see. Um, you know, just in, in terms of the changes to graduation requirements, love the addition of, of the personal finance class. Um, my question was more around the community services and the uh, student experience exter externships. Um, how are students going about finding those opportunities? Um, you know, what kind of supports are there for them as they begin to look for those kind of things and, and get interested and involved? So that's a great question. We've been working with local uh, groups already trying to like bank certain weekends or vacation weeks um, mm -hmm. to have a list similar to like where we would have a list of guidance where there's like job opportunities we would have a list of where there is for our community service opportunities. And they don't need to be sanctioned by Franklin High School. Um, you know, this is, these different people have different ways to experience and grow within uh, supporting communities. So we're just gonna be working on sharing with them through our newsletters and other uh, means, uh, uh, where are the opportunities coming, when are they? And we're even examining uh, some scheduling to help with our PSATs and maybe having like a day of service uh, we're in the early stages of examining how can we support students to have the time to do that. Uh, but all, all of those things are happening. And this was something that occurred in the past uh, that sat with the phys uh, ed and wellness department. And uh, some of the feedback we had was that because not all of the students were in all their classes, it was kind of difficult to track. But as an administration, we believe in it. And we were willing to do the legwork to um, document the examples and evidence of the community service and really at the heart of it like if we want to build a school of 1600 humans and, and 200 some odd teachers who what you know, care about each other who understand each other what better way than to emphasize like giving back you know and so all of our teams all of our clubs are constantly working on finding ways to give back all of those hours count and we already have close to 80 percent participation in clubs in athletics, so they're going to be building in, and, and for the 20% or so who aren't uh, connected to a Franklin High-specific organization, we'll be working with them to find ways uh, to to connect with uh, community service. But I, you know, I think as a young person, it's an important 
uh, moment to feel like there's I'm a part of something bigger than me and I'm giving back to a place that cares about me and when we talk about like social emotional development that's one of the best ways I think uh, to help grow young people is to put them in positions to be leaders and give back and feel uh, like they're part of something bigger than themselves as, as I stated absolutely thanks so much of course so I just want to uh, commend you on implementing the personal finance course requirement. I think this is really something that is is critical, um, and for a long time has been missing um, from a lot of <laughs> a lot of educational programs. So so that's great, and I really look forward to hearing how that goes, uh, what that uptake is like, uh, and how it can support you further and, and make sure these students understand a little bit more about the world they're going to be going into. So thank you for that. Yeah, like I said, a universally in the last 20 years, I don't think I've ever heard anyone say that it should be a graduation <laughs> requirement. We found a way with, with our schedule, with staffing to, to support that, and we believe in it. And if we care about our, our students and giving them a chance to succeed in the world that they're in, that's a critical component. So uh, it does, it does, it is nice once in a while to hit a sweet spot that everyone seems to, to agree upon, which is good stuff. Uh, so thank you for the presentation, uh, definitely informative, and just enjoying hearing how you're um, providing all these offerings for the students, and then also how you're helping them navigate their way to through it and figure out what works for them, and, and really how can they set themselves up for success and really hit the ground running um, after they leave FHS. So thank you. Uh, thank you, Principal Hannah, for uh, this information. It's excellent to see. So um, you and your entire team being very thoughtful in terms of the um, educational offerings that we're providing to our students with uh, preparing them for um, life you know, post high school, you know, post college, and just in the modern workforce. So it's great um, just the thoughtfulness that you're putting into this. Um, some of my questions you answered during the presentation, so that's, that's nice and easy, but um, just a couple quick ones uh, on the same um, on the same topic. The, um, so in the program of studies, it uh, details the minimum number of required credits for each class to rise and to graduate, with the number of credits increasing from 106.5 to 111.5 for the class of 2027 20, beyond. So just um, briefly, just on that, how many credits do students typically graduate with, and do we anticipate the increase to prohibit some from graduating? <coughs> So Heather, um, as, as she deals with the guidance department and, and, and examines those particular areas, uh, she and I spoke a little bit about that when we increased the credit total. Heather, could you share the average number of credits that uh, students graduate with and to what extent does that impede uh, students from, from graduating? Sure, of course. So um, on average, uh, students will graduate with over 120 credits. We build in a buffer um, for those who have you know, challenge in one area or the other. So I don't foresee the increase in overall credits um, really impacting um, any students um, with that extra five credits that we're, we're, we're offering. Like I said, we buffer that in. So most students are graduating, most if not all are graduating with well above what they need. Okay. And, and we're on top of that as well. Just as a point, we start uh, any senior at risk uh, in the fall of their senior year has individual meetings with myself and their guidance counselor to review any areas like so for example if if they have to pass a particular class we'll meet 
we bring the families in, we send letters, and we just we stay on top of any situation that could potentially uh, limit someone from graduating on time. So we don't feel as though this ask is beyond what's reasonable, and we also have a lot of systems in place to address any area that potentially could be um, you know, in the way of, of a student graduating on their, at their anticipated time. Oh, thank you for that clarification. That's very encouraging to hear that we're proactive in terms of providing the supports that a student would need if they are running that risk of potentially not graduating because of a lack of sufficient credit. So I'm just kind of based on that answer. Has it happened anytime recently that a student has not graduated because of insufficient credits? It sounds like it's very rare if it ever occurs. Yeah, I, I, there, you know, there may have been a student or two in uh, June of 2021 um, that needed a summer school uh, program that we were able to work with to get, but I, I'm not even sure about that. I mean, that, that and that was only because of the uh, really difficult moment of trying to figure out uh, the return from COVID, etc. But after that, we have not had that be an, an issue, not even close, to be honest with you. Excellent, thank you. Um, You're welcome. Thanks for that. Um, I, this will kind of be quick. I was thinking um, just, I had the mental health task force this morning, so um, the community service, it, it, that, that's just, I'm glad you guys brought that back because I think it's you know, not only good to just like keep them as part of a, the community, um, it just promotes wellness, it combats depression, it combats anxiety, um, and uh, so kudos. Uh, and the college credit <clears throat> issue, the, the seal of my literacy and, and being able to walk in, I do know that there's a handful of seniors that graduate every year that walk can walk into their freshman year at college uh, with half a, half a year completed, um, which can save the family you know, tens of thousands of dollars sometimes. So um, that's great. So more of that, we're happy to have you guys, you know, uh, just being proactive about that um, as a community. Um, I, I wanted to ask, uh, you, you briefly mentioned um, that sometimes when teachers are sort of suggesting a course and the kids are picking a course, um, they might overextend themselves and then think, oh, well, worst case scenario, I'll just, you know, back into a, a lower kind of tiered class or whatnot. Um, and how complicated that is for the schedule. Is that, is, does that happen a lot? Does that, does that become a problem? Is that something, you know, I know we live in sort of like a, you know. A yeah, so I wouldn't, I mean, you know, statistically it doesn't, it's not like a gigantic percentage of the school, although I, there are a number of students each year who, you know, sign up for a particular course and then after a few weeks they come to realize, oh, you know what, this isn't what I thought or, I've spread myself too thin, it's the right move right now. We try to anticipate a little bit of that when we build up the schedule, realizing that there might be some movement um, throughout. But honestly, we, we have a program where students are able to choose the level that they want to take. And we did a five-year analysis on like how do students perform in courses that they override into. And students well above average are doing exceptionally well in those courses. So. You know there there are we do we do want to encourage people to pick the level that's right for them so we don't have too many teachers going from like you know 20 students to 26 students and things like that will happen 
from time to time in different departments, and we try to encourage people. But, but overall, our experience has been students who are given the freedom and flexibility to pick the levels in which they want to study historically have done very well. Um, there, but there are also a lot of extenuating circumstances that emerge that end up saying, you know what, under this situation, it's just not the right call to be in that class. So I think we have to build in some flexibility. I do think, you know, with, with, with staffing the way that we're uh, working right now, there, there are some limitations to how much flexibility we can have. So like if we were to say, you know, for example, we could add a teacher in a few different departments, we might have a bit more flexibility that would allow for some of that transition to occur without it having dramatic impact um, on our programming. But like I said, for the most part, it, it would not be something I would define as like a large problem at, at our school um, in terms of students being placed in the wrong class or, or needing to drop down. But it's always something we're trying to fine tune. We'd love for it not to be a disruption for the students and for the teachers. Um, but nonetheless, we, we deal with it because we know that teenagers are at times unpredictable. We have to meet them where they are and do what's right for them in that moment, even if six months ago when they picked that class, maybe it wasn't the right thing or it was, etc. Can I follow up on that, uh, Josh? Sure. Just to hit on, I think I appreciate your comments around the balance of it, and there are circumstances where we're flexible with add drop and changing, but I'm just, I'm putting on, when we run tight margins for class size, you limit when you build a schedule, as a former FHS scheduler, when you build that schedule, it's almost like when you purchase plane tickets, right? You filled the seats, you know what, you're in E, you know, whatever, 17E, whatever it is, and can we make it, can you make a change on the day you show up to the airport by going to the desk? Yes, people do it all the time. But is it a little more complicated and does your selection change as a result sometimes because seats are already filled? So I think we run into, we have flexibility built in for the cases where students need it. But I would, I would just say, I think to, to support what I heard Mrs. McVeigh and Mr. Hanna say, uh, going into the schedule in January with a haphazard kind of, I can just switch it later, would not be something that we would not recommend. We have protections built in, we can work with folks, right? That's the, the staff can, but I would just say there's a process for a reason, there's selection for a reason, there's, there's the number of students who are requesting courses, which they determine which ones will run. So it's a, when you select courses, it's a commitment to, we'd like this course to run. So if you switch out of it, and then we only end up with 10 kids in it, now we can't run it, and now that's impacted others. Does that make sense when you start to think of it holistically? So I know this isn't a guidance seminar, but I had to <laughs> just support the work of the team, and I would encourage folks to look at the links of those scheduling worksheets, because as a parent of a high schooler, to see all the options and not have to peel through the book, but see what's available to my 11th grader is uh, a very powerful thing to show what's being offered and how. And those are the conversations I hope families are having with their students at home. Yeah, that was kind of my point is like, I know how complicated the scheduling is, even starting in middle school. So I just didn't know if that was something that we should try to be proactive about communicating to the parents and the kids to try not to do. Just for when, you know, there are instances that are, that are outside of the, you know, normal circumstances, but for the most part, it, it's not it's not as simple as it may appear on the outside. We're a big district, um, and we don't have the healthiest budget to float classes where 12 kids a day. So um, yeah, just a good, good thing to kind of re-engage about, so thanks. You're welcome. Yeah, thank you. It's a great presentation, and 
I want to talk about this increasing graduation requirement, what you described there, the point one is very good. Everybody should learn about permanent finance, that's good. And second point is in what kind of community service we're talking about here. And I have some sir, comments on there as well. And uh, about, you know, we have since we're talking about 2028, the world is going to go change in artificial intelligence. If you guys think about anything towards that, like artificial intelligence classes, like a mandatory classes, right? I'm sorry, are, we, are you asking, have, have we thought about encouraging uh, classes before 2028 to participate in community e service? Yes. Yes, we have. We just, we felt like having it as a graduation requirement when they've already begun their programming didn't seem fair. We try to you know, put a lens of equity on, and so if we're going to have this be 20 hours, we could have prorated it and said 5 and 10, 15, etc., but we thought you know, we're still kind of like building that back. And we, like I said, we already have a large percentage of students who participate um, in community service. We know that through the college application process, uh, they're often encouraged to share what community service they're, they are participating in. We're just not uh, formally collecting it. Uh, right now, we're gonna try to build up and build some supports as was discussed earlier, like what opportunities are there within the community to help? And, maybe kind of being proactive with listening to members of our community, where are uh, needs greatest and where could teenagers be the biggest assistance within the town of Franklin around some community service so we can kind of start to hard schedule some moments for those students to participate in. So that's kind of the reason we began with this incoming freshman class is to help support them and not bite off more than we could chew, but we know what's going on on the side. We're just not calling it out because as these students were already in the high school, when they arrived and they saw what their graduation requirement was, it did not include community service. So we didn't feel like it was fair to put that on them, you know, midway through the stream, so to speak. Um, if that helps answer your question, I think. Yeah, that's, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you very much uh, for, uh, for this presentation. I just had um, a couple of notes. One, yeah, the personal finance, spectacular. I love too that the acknowledgement that it also came out of um, out of advisory, out of student voices too, was uh, was fantastic. In regards to the community service, one thing, if I'm not mistaken, last year, maybe the, uh, the year before, there was um, what was it? There was a, we ran into an issue uh, with was like a, like a gym or like a like a PE requirement where you could almost like outsource it. And uh, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but there was something about like the basically all the time spent from the high school of having to kind of verify uh, that information. Is there any concern about uh, you know like the time spent to kind of verify some of the community service hours? So we we talked through that, and we kind of have an auditing process similar to I guess you could use the analogy of like the IRS. You know, everyone has there, and we're going to go through and check and make sure that. It is all the documents that are shared are in line and periodically do some check-ins over the course of the first few years to make sure. Uh, but we're not expecting people to, um, you know, nefariously submit that they did five hours of community service at this place or that place. Instead, we believe that what's being submitted will be authentic and we will do our quality checks along the way but not to a place where it would overburden the administration I mean, we do have a lot going on but in talks particularly one of our assistant principals kathy klein really brought up in one of our team meetings and was like look if, 
If we believe in the portrait of a graduate, if we believe in building community, we need to have community service as part of what we do. And there wasn't a, a, a thought in the room that disagreed. And so to what extent this uh, creates a little more workflow for us, no one was afraid of that because we believe in the big idea of building a community that cares about each other and is willing to, to put in the work and time. And so um, that, that's kind of where we are. But, but I appreciate you looking out for us um, as we're not trying to uh, take on too much more. We, we do have busy days. But once in a while, there's work that I think brings back much more positivity and, and for I think someone on the panel had mentioned you know in terms of uh, addressing uh, mental health uh, being a part of something bigger than you and giving back and being fulfilled is one of the best ways to feel good and so for us providing opportunities like that just makes a lot of sense across the board oh I absolutely agree and um, I, I love the idea but I'm and glad to, that the, the thought process that kind of went all the way through um, one of the one too, uh, Ms. McVeigh, when you mentioned uh, when you're looking at the course, the having that balance in life, um, I just I immediately heard my old colleague uh, Miss Bernstein, and uh, that would be something where she would just immediately kind of cheer on because it is so important when you're looking at all these classes and when you're looking at at, at your future and you know where where you're going to go in, in school or professionally, you know there's just an, an unlimited number of, of paths for you to start to kind of go down just to kind of be able to anchor it right there to say, you know, there are so many opportunities, but right now in the moment, uh, having that balance is just incredibly important. So I think just on, on, on behalf of uh, my former colleague, I just want to uh, say thank you very much for, for highlighting that. Uh, but again, uh, thank you all uh, for, for everything. I greatly appreciate uh, this presentation. And thanks to you all, and thanks to all the hardworking teachers and leaders at Franklin High School for putting this program together. This was not just the work of Heather and I. In fact, it was a collective work, including the documents that hopefully will help families and students uh, choose their courses. It's a real team effort, a lot of evidence of collaboration on email chains and text chains and so on. And so we're proud to be here tonight representing our school and excited to create opportunities for our students. So th thank you all very much. Thank you. All right, so then now we'll move over to uh, discussion action items. Okay, so uh, thank you both Josh and Heather. Um, Josh, just if while you're on here, just in case there's a question, I will uh, tee this up and then if the committee has questions, we can answer it. Um, our uh, FHS varsity cheerleading team has made it to the national cheerleading competition, as you know from the state championship. Um, they're moving on. This is uh, uh, recurring. This has now become a repeated tradition. <laughs> this has become a repeated uh, earned uh, travel for tournament. And I wanted to put it out there. Typically, you'd see this fall into, um, at this stage, our consent agenda. I would add it. But given that we have new school committee members, I didn't want to um, not give you the opportunity to, to vote on that around. It's basically out of state overnight travel in accordance with our policies. So um, I'm recommending the approval of the request of Josh Hanna to take the varsity cheerleaders to Orlando, Florida from March 14th through the 18th for the AmeriCheer Internationals Cheerleading Championship as detailed. All right, uh, is there a motion as discussed? So moved. Is there a second? Second. All right, at this moment, any discussions, questions? 
All right, seeing none, the vote will come in a motion. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Any opposed? All right, motion passes. Thank you. Thank you, Josh. Have a good night. Thank you all. You as well. Drive safe. Okay. All right, and capital budget proposal. Okay. So uh, I'll just tee this up and then I'll say, say the recommendation. Uh, every year we have a capital improvement program that goes into place across the town. Uh, uh, using, you'll notice from the description, uh, it talks about the town's utilization of free cash um, from snow removal and um, other sources to put forth a program in which all departments are able to submit requests for uh, different items that we need to support the school department. And uh, before you tonight is the capital budget request. Uh, I also have Dr. Dutch online too to help uh, who facilitated the capital request to determine what items and prioritize them and which ones would be identified. Uh, this request went to your budget subcommittee earlier this evening uh, for review and approval to move forward and it's before you today so at this point what i'll do is make the recommendation and then open it up so i recommend approval of the capital budget proposal as discussed all right is there a motion so moved second second all right uh any questions or comments yeah um so i know last so a few questions actually this specialized ban um that's not the, this is a different van because we got a new van last year, correct? This is a different van from there, but we have a fleet of vans, uh, approximately 10, I think, Dr. Dutch. We, uh, I think we have 10 or 11. Or Mrs. Morano actually is right there. I, uh, how, many, how many vans do we have total? I believe it's 11. 11 vans. And what we've done is Mrs. Morano and her team and Mrs. Bazignani, who's the transportation supervisor, have the fleet. We know the mileage, the year, the age, the condition. And ultimately, we've been taking uh, the oldest or the worst condition ones in uh, a cycle of replacement so that we can stay up to speed and continue to provide consistent transportation for our students in our in-district specialized programming across the across the district. Okay, thank you. And, and just for to speak sure if this is correct, last year we had asked for a different van. We got denied, and then the van ended up breaking down anyway, and we had to find funds to replace it. That is correct. So it, it did not make the cut, um, unfortunately, because of um, the, the, the amount um, we requested and what we were provided. But this year, it's made it to our list as uh, you'll notice it's at the top of the priority. Um, and you'll often find through capital, we have requests that have come through. And then the following year, they move up. It's similar to uh, other request models. But um, that man, uh, the request was warranted for the reasons that you just stated. Anything to add to that, Mrs. Morano? Nope, that's, that is accurate recollection. Okay. Yeah, nope, just to make sure, I want to just let folks know that we're not asking for, you're not asking for things for the sake of it. You definitely put some foresight into it and are trying to anticipate any hiccups and when things get denied and based off of your, your foresight and, and uh, you know, you're, you're intimate working with this, we end up paying the price down the road and we still have to do it. So uh, just, just the, that's one observation. So let's folks start thinking it's the same van from last time. Now it's a new van, and it broke down. <laughs> we got a new van. So uh, that one. Uh, the second piece from last year, I recall we had the um, FHS Media Center. 
on the request. Mm -hmm. um, did we ever do anything regarding that? Because I, I assume it would, should have been on this year's. I'm double checking right now. Last year's request, the studio. Um, yeah. Yes, this had to do with some of the uh, equipment for the, the TV studio. Mm -hmm. We can confirm as well with Mr. Raposa tomorrow, but I remember walking after the approvals were made through the capital process, walking through some of the um, some of the updated software and hardware that were needed within that studio to do the editing. So, yeah. Cool. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I just have a quick question, and I don't have my, my laptop open, but I, I made a little note. Um, so correct me if I'm wrong. I, I thought I read it was like twelve fifty a piece to replace the administrators, but not replace, just extend for two years. Is is that like just a warranty or? So, so and I'll let Mr. And I may be ignorant to like what. No, that's a great question. It actually, came up during our uh, our budget subcommittee meeting earlier today. I wanted to hear for that about the weather. That's okay. That's okay. Uh, around the warranty versus the cost of replacing a full laptop. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Yeah. So you'll notice in the in the current request, you'll see fifty thousand dollars in there listed um, as yeah, a way to extend the life of the current laptops that have hit. Uh, the age where uh, we typically would have replaced. So uh, 55,000, excuse me. Um, and ultimately, the cost to replace these laptops would be $1,250 each. In lieu of replacement, spending the money to extend the warranty creates a warranty on all the current devices. We had a, a, a pretty thoughtful discussion, uh, Mr. Griffith had shared, and just processed around. Ultimately, this is deferring devices that are not being replaced on the cycle. Uh, and when we expect, but it's it's a way, a strategy that we put in place to try to manage our funds, given uh, uh, an idea of how much each department, each department gets an idea of how much they can typically request. Um, so we've um, uh, put in requests that, uh, that we've prioritized based on what we know, um, but also put in for what we need so that it's documented for the same reasons of the special education ban, okay. to make sure that we don't lose sight of what we've had to go without. Right, right. And I'll probably go back and watch that meeting too, so mm -hmm. thanks. Sure. And then uh, just one question, because the, the joint budget uh, subcommittee was just a couple hours ago. You guys met. Everything looked good as it kind of came out of committee? Um, yes. So um, as mentioned, yeah, budget subcommittee uh, reviewed this and had a unanimous support. We had a, a very thoughtful and informed discussion on it. Wonderful. Any other questions, comments? Right. Uh, seeing none, the vote will come on a motion. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. Any opposed? Motion carries. Thank you very much. All right, uh, discussion only items, none. So we'll go over to information matters. Uh, we'll start um, about a superintendent evaluation. Mr. McGill. So, um, superintendent evaluation, we had a very informative workshop with the entire um, school committee right before the um, tonight's meeting. Um, we had Trace Novick from MASC to kind of run all of us through what the superintendent evaluation process looks like and what to expect. And we don't have a meeting scheduled as of now, but um, we'll be getting on the books to 
make sure we have um, the process underway soon. All right, um, I'll keep you on the hot seat. Uh, budget. Budget, exactly. So as we as was just mentioned and voted upon, we discussed the capital improvement requests this evening, and our next meeting will be on January 25th. Thank you. Uh, policy. Uh, policy, we have not met. Our first meeting is in uh, February. Um, the date off the top of my head because we had to adjust schedules a little bit. I think it's a, it's the, it's before, it's opposite of budget, before the council meeting. So the 13th, thanks. I was gonna say the 12th, but that's my other, that's my other committee. All right, thank you. And then uh, let's see, community relations. Uh, so we met yesterday. Um, we established or we finalized our three goals for the 2024 year. Uh, those three goals are, just so I can grab them up correctly, um, we will be looking to do, there it is, um, at least three public engagements this calendar year. Um, so exclusively our legislative forum if we do that. Um, we'll be starting a monthly communication publication to residents, so we're gonna try to get five out this year. Um, we're working through logistics and whatnot, so um, it may be uh, March before the first one comes out, but that'll be just a way to get folks aware of what's happening. If they don't attend the meetings, uh, they have an idea of what's happening, what the subcommittees are doing, um, and just stay plugged in in a quick uh, read format. So that's that second goal. And then the last goal is to, um, we want to establish a way that folks can um, provide feedback to us. So we'll create some sort of data capturing mechanism um, and just really just use that as part of the design. So um, some goals we may, we may have things that we go through that go through after the, these are done, but we'll see how things go from there. Um, just so that you all are aware, we will be trying to do our strawberries roll, our um, harvest fest, and possibly two uh, things at the uh, farmer's market. So keep your calendars open. <laughs> you like to get your participation. Um, we have a, a fun section that we might have in there as well. I'll, I'll let you guys find the name when we, we put it out in the newsletter, but that's that's what's to come. I like the spoiler. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Give that hook. Uh, how about uh, joint PCC? Yep. So, oh, actually, last thing. Uh, oh. We are meeting for our next meeting on February 12th, which is Panther Pride Night. And we're actually going to be doing it on site at the high school as well. So, um, right before Panther Pride begins. It's oh, fantastic. Um, it'll be a busy day for everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This year as well. So. Uh, but yeah, for JCC, JPCC, uh, we've also met yesterday. Um, Mr. Jagir had provided an update around the quarry process. Um, so just to refresh your memory, this is a way to be able to have a, a way to store it electronically so that we know when uh, a person submitted their quarry versus having to do it all the time. Also, it allowed them to do it one school and cover all of the district so that we'll say, for example, you have a, you know, a kid at ECDC, um, you know, Oak Street in high school, you don't have to do it three times, you would do it today. Now, do it one for one of those locations, it covers for all. And since we know um, when it expires, you don't have to do it yearly as long as it's still valid. You did a great job. I just want to thank our uh, HR department and uh, Mrs. Miller, Denise Miller, our uh, superintendent secretary, for their work on figuring that out, troubleshooting, and figuring out a way to make that work. And that was based on some feedback from the JPCC families around uh, that, that they had received. So I think it's an example of 
folks reaching out to their um, PCCs and then it getting escalated to our meeting and then we were able to come up with a solution so it's an example of kind of civic engagement and practice. Yeah, and it'll probably save a lot of administrative work. I'm redoing forms because I can tell you right now that I've filled out a quarry form every single year that my child has been there, so it could have saved me at least, you know, three or four times at this point. Um, so, so great, great win and looking forward to see how things go. Um, Mr. Jagger also shared an update about the um, executive function workshop that lifelong learning has happened that he talked about this morning or this afternoon or evening. Um, and then as normal, the PCCs have shared what they're doing in terms of engagement. Um, so things such as um, food drive efforts, um, coat drive efforts, um, uh, community engagements at downtown sports. Um, so just, it's always a busy time um, at the end of the day. It's helping build community, helping you know, build those bonds and just give back as well. And then uh, last but not least, CPAC was there um, and provided an update around the um, January 11th um, managing behaviors um, event that they have and also the one coming up on February 28th for neuropsychological events uh, as well. So always busy um, and once again our next meeting is February 12th. So same night as... Busy night. Yeah, exactly. Same morning. <laughs> same day, yeah. All right. Thank you very much. Um, how about uh, School Wellness Advisory Council? Yeah, we met uh, this morning. This morning is a great team of people, and we are scheduling next time in March 9th when we move in the lottery. We are expecting to propose an opening cable at Farmers Market in the June and October. And we have a real, real yeah, set it up in the real boards for 2024, saying that uh, providing the fresh food and the and uh, uh, mental health and well-being task force. Um, so we actually, we met this morning. Um, we will be at the Panther uh, Pride Night uh, on the 12th, uh, February 12th, it's very busy day. Um, and uh, they're gonna have, a, we're gonna have a booth there, uh, like a take a breath lounge because there's so many extracurriculars, so many sports. And um, I think the statistic is like 70% of kids uh, have conveyed it through studies that um, their anxiety and depression is number one caused by the pressure that they feel to overachieve. So um, not that we want to steer them to not achieve, but maybe just kind of take a breath and like just maybe get involved with things that they actually have some sort of passion for. Try everything and you know, you don't have to figure out your life freshman year. Like just you know, give it a try, take the pressure off a little. Um, and then also we um, are gonna be doing some PSAs uh, recorded at Franklin TV. Um, student to student, uh, we're kind of thinking high schoolers speaking to middle schoolers or um, you know younger high schoolers, um, and we're going to have different topics. They're going to be quick, thirty-second um, PSA. We're uh, hoping Ambergen has high aspirations to get some sort of flashy, like remember the old PSAs with the star and the rainbow, and just kind of like something to get draw people in, um, and just kind of highlight like what we're going to talk about, um, and then from the students' point of view, uh, what we wish parents knew and then what parents can do. Um, so followed by some action items. And I think some of the topics are like, uh, we found out gambling is now a thing that some students are doing in high school um, when they're 18. And uh, with all the sports 
you know, fantasy teens that kind of trickle into sometimes actually using real money um, and things like that. So, you know, um, we're doing one on sports and just kind of like the, the pressure kids feel like with sports and like to obtain scholarships and things like that. It's just, um, you know, a little bit of like take a breath, everyone, you know, the overachievement, it'll come. If you do the work, it'll come. You don't have to, to you know, be riddled with anxiety about your future. You just get to know what you like. So that's our goal. Um, to come up with one at least every month. Yeah. I love that PSA idea. Um, yeah. I, it just makes me think back to um, the summer that my son was going from fifth to sixth grade. We were at Camille's house, and my son hung out with her son, who was going uh, into seventh grade at the time. And he started giving him all the lowdown around, like, <laughs> from, from middle school. And my son, like, just, like, ate it all up. And yeah, he was able to take some of that, you know, advice from somebody that's been there and done that yeah. to like apply it when he got in sixth grade. So I think the student, the student PSA is phenomenal. I think that will really go far. You know, they, they definitely listen to their peers and especially their older peers. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's something we can include in the uh, newsletter as well. Yeah, it'd be great. Yeah, and it's for sure. I have tweens and they don't want to hear anything from me, so um, that's pretty clear. So it should be good. And uh, DEI committee, Mr. Morano? Yes, the next meeting will be on February 29th. Thank you. Um, and to the comprehensive facilities assessment, just a moment, but I want to say I love uh, just the, the synergy, you know, from uh, between all the different committees and also how so many of the, the subcommittees, too, uh, such a presence in a lot of already well established Franklin events, farmers markets, Panther Night. Um, Strawberry stroll. It's just it, it's fantastic and it's great just to kind of see everybody just running on, uh, you know, hitting the ground running. Uh, but uh, with a comprehensive uh, facilities assessment, I know um, Superintendent, Superintendent Jagir really kind of set the stage uh, during during your report. And just a one other th um, thing, just to kind of add to that, I know when we uh, some of the work that was kind of started uh, more in last term, we were just looking at one firm to kind of potentially just go and just pick up this lift. Um, and one of the things that came out of our last meeting was um, really just for like efficiency's sake, uh, you know, to save some of the taxpayers as well, that uh, taking uh, the resources that we already have, uh, Council Booze, um, Mike D'Angelo for facilities already has a 10 year um, kind of capital maintenance request and to really expand on the McKibben uh, enrollment data from 20, you know, usually the census of 2010, now using census 2020 numbers. So really kind of taking what we already have and then just helping to reinforce that to kind of build a better, better product. Uh, and so uh, a slight change from what we had been originally kind of positioning for the first couple of meetings. Can I just add one thing? Yeah. Um, we are in the process of contracting with um, a, a group for master planning. So the master planning being um, a, 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 I don't want to say the name until we have the car. I want to make sure the contracts are. Um, but ultimately, a master planning group that works with Massachusetts uh, towns and schools to work on master planning. So when I mentioned earlier, one thing that I want to um, emphasize is, and, and really think about the last school committee that was on that had like, clearly we needed more information um, when when uh, last spring. That's that was a clear thing, and I agree that. The work that was done previously uh, had gaps in it. It had holes in some of the, so it's the, for example, the Kessel Booze report was a foundational report. It says right in it, 
that uh, more information is needed. And that's part of the work that we're uh, engaging in now. I've been a part of walks, Mrs. Morano, Ms. Dr. Rogers, uh, Dr. Dutch have all been a part of walking with principals in facilities to determine, hey, if there were gaps in what uh, the report showed originally, we need to fill those gaps. For example, our specialized programming across the district, are we accounting for that? So um, one of the things that this group's doing, it's a separate company that actually looks at all the pieces of information. They look at our redistricting analysis data. They look at the new updated McKibben information that will come to you. Um, I'd like to have the, for the demographic forecast done this winter. So you can see that separate of, uh, just so we step this out a little bit and, and gain an understanding as we walk through this process. But ultimately that team will work on, from my superintendent report, those three legs, forecasting, educational adequacy, and visioning, and then facilities as we know it, and what, what pieces of information do we still need in order to provide enough information to make some real informed decisions about not only short-term, but also long-term. And uh, that's really the goal, was to try to build off of the process. But we will be working with a company that's gonna oversee that process and coordinate with our, our stakeholders. When I, I know Dave loves when I use the word stakeholder. Who does that mean, right? It means our constituents. It means engaging with our community. It means engaging with our administrators and teachers and all the different groups that uh, should be involved in processing this and gathering information. So uh, I just would put that out there, round off the discussion. Thank you very yep. much. You're welcome. And our next uh, meeting will be on February 7th. All right, uh, so now we'll move on to consent agenda. I recommend approval of the minutes from the December 12th, 2023 school committee meeting as detailed. I recommend acceptance of a check for $575 for the JFK PCC for field trips as detailed. I recommend acceptance of a check for $275 from BJ's Wholesale Club for in-house enrichment as detailed. I recommend acceptance of a check for $3,256.44 from the Grin and Barrett supply for supplies as detailed. I recommend acceptance of two checks totaling $1,500 for high school FHS scholarships as follows. The Johanna and Sean Jobin for $500 and Roger and Roberta Trahan for, on and behalf of the Alma and Vincent DeBadges Memorial Scholarship for $1,000. I recommend acceptance of a check for $36.71 from King Solutions for supplemental supplies at FHS as detailed. All right. Is there a motion to approve the consent agenda as detailed? So moved. Is there a second? Second. Any questions, comments? Seeing none, vote will come to motion. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Thank you. Motion carries. All right, uh, next up, uh, good of the order. Uh, first meeting of, uh, of the month. Uh, we'll always have an opportunity for uh, school committee members just to kind of uh, say their piece. Uh, any ideas, uh, thoughts that they have that they might be able to help improve uh, the committee of the district as a whole? Over the floor, if there's any. I had a uh, meeting with Safe Coalition today, just as a follow up to the wellness um, or mental health task force. Um, just needed to get some information from Jen Knight and, um, and Jim Derrick. Um, they, they are looking to expand our relationship around um, restorative justice practices, um, specifically vaping. A lot of other districts are using them uh, quite a bit, even busing kids over there. Um, right now, they received like a $300,000 grant and it's free. So
So um, I want to encourage um, principals to kind of use that uh, as needed um, because I, I hear it's a great program. I just figured I'd mention it. Just, you know, they would prefer to, well, I shouldn't say they would prefer, but they would like to do more within Franklin. And um, maybe we just have, you know, perfectly squeaky kids who don't need that, that ever, but um, I doubt it for a big district. So um, just something available that we might not be as aware of. I know everybody's sort of under resourced and spread thin. So just kind of reiterate that to, it's, a, it's an avenue. Thank you very much. Okay. Then uh, we'll move on to citizens' comments. Uh, are there any citizens in the audience, in person or online, who would like to make a comment on an item not on tonight's agenda and falls within the committee's purview? on Zoom. All right, so sorry, waited until you sat down, but it's <laughs> a new, new business, Mr. Yeah. Chigir. Hey, new business, uh, the 24-25 calendar is in development, and we still have some steps to take to work with um, a, few, uh, a few groups, including our, uh, our administrative team, our uh, union leadership, just around some of those dates, but certainly um, we're preparing to put that out uh, sooner than later, so I think by the next meeting we'll have a draft of the calendar. That's our goal uh, to work towards. Um, and that I'll just I'll just stop right there. There's some other items that we're still tentatively looking to see if we have enough information to share. But um, I know that we are looking at in the next between the next two meetings or so, you'll um, expect to receive the student services update that might come in early February. But um, I wanted to put that out there as we kind of continue to move move forward and uh, continue through the year. All right, thank you very much. Uh, and, and now I will entertain a motion to adjourn. So moved. Second. Second. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Carries. Have a great night, everybody. We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tin Type Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. And by the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.